Take a seat, guys. Good morning. Great to be with you all this morning. Of course, there's absolutely no pressure when you've got Andrew Newell unpacking the hymn that you're about to preach on. So thanks for that. It was great. Good morning. I'm Ben. I'm great to be with you. Great to be with you this morning. If you've got a Bible, open it to Luke chapter 2, because that's where we're going to be this morning. We're going to go from verse 8. If you don't have a Bible, I'm assuming that the passage will be behind me on the screen. So have a look there and follow along with me. But great to be with you this morning. If you are new this morning, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the songs of Christmas. In particular, four songs taken from the Gospel of Luke that that were heard before, after, and during the birth of Jesus. Songs by people that, that welcomed the birth of Jesus and that now, however many years later, invite us also to consider the true meaning of Christmas. So Paul unpacked for us on the first week the song of Mary, and last week we heard from Carl with the song of Zechariah, and this morning we're going to be looking at the angels' song. So follow with me um, as I read the passage, Luke, uh, Luke chapter 2, starting from verse 8. And in the same region... There were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the angels returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let me pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. We thank you that you are a God who speaks to us. And so we pray this morning, as we look at your word, open our eyes to see what is truly there, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. If you didn't catch it, that's the angel song in verse 14. Now, the angel song is different to the other songs of Christmas because, for one, it's a song that is not written by one of us. It's not a song by God's people. It's a song from heaven. Angels sung it. Messengers of God. But it's also not a song that is is sung to a load of different people who happen to be around in that moment. It's a song that is sung to a few weary a worn and weary shepherds who happened to be out in a field 
watching their sheep in the middle of their nine to five, or let's be honest with shepherds, they're 24 seven. And so in order for us to fully understand the fullness of this song, we've got to understand who the angels are singing to, but also what is going on in and around us in that moment. What's, What's going on? And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. The angel song is sung to a group of shepherds, a few rough and ready lads in the middle of the night. That's who they're singing to. Now these shepherds, these shepherds happen to be in the same region that Mary has just given birth to a baby, which is Bethlehem. She's just given birth to the baby Jesus in Bethlehem, and it says in verse 8, in the same region, what's just happened, beginning of chapter 2, Mary has just given birth in Bethlehem. And so for one, these, these, these shepherds, they were Jewish. So they would have grown up as young boys who were familiar with the Jewish teachings. To some degree, they would have been familiar with the laws and the writings of the prophets. And then at some point, they would have entered into the work of their dad. That's what they would have done. Work was passed down generations, and they would have stepped into that. And so as well, but as well as being Jewish... They also happen to be shepherds working in the fields around Bethlehem. And history tells us that these shepherds looked after the sheep in Israel that were reserved for the temple in Jerusalem. Sheep that would have been offered up in sacrifices week after week after week. And so when the angels spoke to these shepherds, on a dark night outside Bethlehem, about a Savior who is Christ the Lord, born this day, it says in verse 11, in the city of David, immediately they would have known exactly what this angel was talking about. They would have known. See, God's people had been waiting. Now, when I say waiting, I'm not talking about when we place an order on our phones on Amazon and it arrives the same day. Right, I think we need a little bit of help today to understand what it means when we're talking about the word waiting. But what, what I mean is that God's people had a long history that spanned centuries, and eventually they'd gone into exile. And the hope had always, always been that they would be given a king, a deliverer who would rescue them from their enemies and lead them into a time of security, a time of blessing, a time of welfare. And, and the, this promised king was to lead them forever. And in the prophet Micah, it says this. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. And in that moment, as the angel speaks of the fulfillment that is taking place this day, it says, suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God. The angels, millions upon millions of them, burst onto the scene, announcing the fulfillment of this long-awaited, long-expected promise. The Savior, the Christ, the Lord, this day has come. So let me read the song again. Follow with me, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Glory to God in the highest. 
see the angel was speaking of this event of a baby who is born, the promised Savior, the Messiah, and the Lord. And it was as though heaven itself couldn't help but explode upon the earth in worship and praise for what has taken place, for what God was doing. What the angel saw was that God of the universe in all his glory being true to his promise, being true to his promise on earth. And then look at verse 10. I bring, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. If you're new to Christianity, maybe perhaps you've heard, maybe you've not heard much about the Bible. Maybe you've heard kind of mixed things about Christianity and what the Bible teaches. So let me, let me just straighten this out. The Christian life is about this one thing and this one thing only. It is all about God and what he has done for us. And what God has done for us is to bring us into the everlasting joy, the everlasting joy of knowing him that will never and can never be taken away from us. And this is all because of what Jesus has done at the cross. This is the gospel. Forget what we do, forget what we don't do, good works or bad works. Christianity is about one thing, that the, 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 and this is the reason that the angels sing good news of great joy. It is good news, and it is something that has already been done for us, despite us, and it is good because it is great joy that has been brought about for us. That is the good news of the gospel. That is what the angels were singing about. And so this long-awaited king, he comes with an entrance that we'd expect, right? Multitudes of angels singing praises for who he is and what he's going to do. That We get that right. Verse 13, they suddenly join the angel who is already surrounded by the light of the glory of the Lord in front of these poor shepherds. Now, I have been to Las Vegas, right? <laughs> Funnily enough. And I, what I remember, something just absolutely blew my mind. As we were driving to Las Vegas, it was probably around 11 o'clock at night, pitch black, we were on the road, and what blew my mind well, for one, we could see the light in the distance coming over the hills of what were the lights of Vegas, right? This bright light coming up. And I remember, I remember looking on my phone, looking at Google Maps. I'm like, okay, we're almost there now. It's got to be like 15, 20 minutes away. Like this light's miles in the distance, but we can't be too far along, away. And I ended up getting my phone out. You know how you do. You get on Google Maps, you put in a direction just to see kind of roughly where you are. I remember looking, putting it into my sat-nav, 70 miles out. 70 miles away from this city, and we could see the light in the distance. Like, I grew up in Brighton, right? So for me, an hour, London was an hour on the train. So that was literally like me stepping out in, in, on my doorstep at 11 o'clock at night, looking out and seeing the light from London. Like, wow, that has got to be a bright light, right? But here, we are talking about a multitude of angels shining what? The glory of God. That must have been terrifying, terrifying. And so it doesn't surprise us that when we read that the shepherds were filled with great fear, they were filled with fear. That makes sense. Like everything about this is fitting, right? Like it fits the situation. This long-awaited conquering king being welcomed into the world by a multitude of angels. 
But if we're not careful, I think we can easily miss the true wonder of what was happening. Because as much as the angels were giving glory to God for the fulfillment of his promises and the coming of his promised king as expected, what we see here is the most unexpected event in the whole of history. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Let me put it another way. You will find a baby, most likely crying, in a shed that would have been attached to a home, surrounded by the noise and stench of farm animals, and lying in the very things that pigs, horses, and sheep eat from, a feeding trough. There would have been minimal light, definitely no central heating, and if if they were lucky, they may have been able to find some clean cold water that the surrounding homes may have given to Mary to help her clean up the mess after she kept them awake all night screaming. See, the angels weren't just giving glory to God because of this promised king finally arriving. They weren't just giving glory to God because he's true to his word. They were doing that, but they were ultimately giving glory to God because of the way in which he came. They saw what was happening, and it blew their minds. It blew their minds. This king of glory has been born not in a royal palace surrounded by a team of midwives, central heating in every room, as you'd expect, but actually in some of the poorest conditions imaginable. The glory of God that the angels see is that the highest enters as the lowest, and the highest enters the lowest, who will eventually die a criminal's death on a cross. This is the God that we worship this morning. Amen. This is the God we worship. So perhaps, perhaps you have an idea of what you think God is like. Perhaps you're from a background where God is this unapproachable being above all things that we cannot get near to. You may spend your life trying to fill that void with trying to get to him. But let me tell you, the God of the Bible is the unapproachable God but he is the unapproachable God who approaches us as lowly, humble, and full of mercy so that we can know him and be with him forever. This is the gospel. It is good news, and it brings us great joy. Because of God's mercy, this God who is unapproachable is approachable. Amen. Let's continue in the song. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. In our culture, peace is often defined as the absence of conflict, right? A state of tranquility. Perhaps in our minds, we're thinking of the ending of a war. Or maybe us sitting on a beach with our feet up drinking a pina colada. (laughs) The Bible defines peace this way. The presence of one who steps into conflict to bring about restoration. Not just peace in terms of tranquility until the next war comes along, but peace where hostility is no more a threat, where the dividing wall of hostility has been broken down, never to return again. That's how the Bible defines peace. 
Now, the angel is speaking to shepherds here, right? He's speaking to the shepherds. And he says, this will be a sign for you. Look at verse 12. This will be a sign for you. God speaks to the shepherds through an angel. But guys, he speaks specifically to them. Specifically to them. And so he doesn't just say you will see a baby, but a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, a feeding trough. So remember, remember, what, remember where the shepherds are. Remember what their role was. To look after the sheep that would be taken to the temple for sacrifice. And one of the, one of the things uh, that these shepherds will have to do to their newborn lambs, especially, especially those that would be kept for the temple, is that they were to keep them from being blemished, right? If the lambs were blemished, if there was any imperfection they wouldn't be fit for the temple. And so they would, what they would do is that they'd wash them. They'd wash them with a mixture of oil and salt to, to make sure they were spotless. And then what they did is they wrapped them with cloths to keep them from becoming blemished until they went on to the temple. That's what they did. Now, as it happened in the ancient world, around the time, it was thought that newborn babies could be corrupted and spoiled like meat. And so babies were washed with a mixture of oil and salt before being wrapped up in swaddling cloths. Do you see what's going on here? The shepherds would have immediately been triggered by this sign to recognize what they had done time and time again with the lambs for the sacrifices for the temple was now being fulfilled in this one sacrificial lamb who would go on to be the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. That would have clicked for them. That would have clicked. So what the angel was saying to these shepherds is that the sign for you guys is that you will find a baby who, yes, he is the promised king, but he is the king who will go on to be sacrificed for the people to do what? To bring peace on earth once and for all. Essentially, you guys are going to be out of a job. And the shepherds, they would have connected all these details from what they knew from the law and the prophets. So, so let, me, let me read from the prophet Isaiah, who spoke about the Messiah, this coming Messiah hundreds of years before. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring, and by his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Now, they didn't know everything that was going on here. Of course, they didn't. They didn't know exactly what death Jesus was going to die by. They didn't know the full extent of what God was doing for them. But I imagine that these things started to make sense a little bit more as things rolled out, as things unraveled, and as they looked back on these things. But the angels, they looked on this scene and they burst into a song of praise because they know that this baby born on this day would be the source of joy for all who would come to a knowledge of what he has done. They knew that. It's through this baby, this king, 
who would eventually be crushed on the cross for the sins of the world, that we today can know peace. That's what the angels were singing about. And so the letter in Hebrews, um, the writer says this, when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, for by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Sacrifices in the Old Testament, these, these were needed because of sin. What is sin? Rejecting God and choosing our own way to live, which brings separation and hostility between God and humanity. But in God's kindness, he provides a sacrifice to take all the judgment, all the condemnation that we deserve, and by placing it on him, on this Savior, this Savior who is in his life on earth, was perfect in every way, unblemished, so that we, once and for all, can be made perfect. That's what he's saying. So we can enjoy peace with God, eternal peace, free from the hostility, between us and God once and for all. And that's why the angels give glory to God. They see what God is doing by being faithful. And they see that he does that by stepping into his creation to make peace with his enemies. For those who turn to him, that is the good news of great joy. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom he has pleased. One of the things that has often been said around the t- about shepherds around the time of Jesus is that they were people who were rejected, despised, outcasts of society. But in reality, shepherds were actually a central part of life in Israel. They were needed for a number of reasons. Their work was a source of wool for clothing, meat for food, but they were often nomadic, so they moved from place to place, from village to village, for trade. And so this meant that, for one, if you didn't work as a shepherd, which was actually pretty likely, you definitely did know someone who did. But it was hard work, so it demanded a lot. And so most people would actually avoid doing this work. And it was often the youngest, even the youngest in the family, would end up taking on this role because it was just a job that people didn't really want to do. And so the point here, the point I'm making is that the shepherds weren't outcasts or despised by the people, but they just weren't that overly significant. They did what had to be done. Basically, they were the working class in Israel. So these guys were just a few lads doing what had to be done to get by, doing what had to be done to keep the food on the table, to keep their family afloat. So what is striking about this whole scene where God reveals his promised Messiah and a baby lying in a food trough in a backyard stable for a young girl who had recently got engaged and then to a bunch of lads working in a field outside a rural city. When Jesus was born into this world as King, Messiah, and Lord, besides Mary, besides Joseph, the only people who know on this night that it's happened are millions upon millions upon millions of angels and a few worn and weary shepherds. God is pleased to speak his good news to people like you and me. See, the shepherds were insignificant, everyday people that just happened to be around at the time. But in God's eyes, they were a few insignificant shepherds that he'd been watching over all their lives as their great shepherd waiting until the moment that he was pleased to reveal the most significant person that they would ever meet. 
Let me put it this way. If you've heard the good news of the gospel, it is no coincidence. It is no coincidence. God cares about you and wants you to know that, yes, you are sinful. Yes, you reject him. He gets that. He's not pleased with that. He's got to deal with that. But he wants you to know this even more, that you can know everlasting peace if you would just receive him. See, the shepherds show us who God is pleased with. And then watch what the shepherds do. Verse 15, when the angels went away from the into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. God is pleased with those who recognize their need for a savior, who humble themselves under God's word, who listen to it and respond to it. That's all the shepherds did. They didn't fully understand what God was saying. They didn't understand the full extent of what this king had come to do and, and, how, and how exactly he was going to do that and exactly what that meant for him. They didn't, they didn't get the full picture. God doesn't require us to know everything when we come to him. But the shepherds did recognize that it was God speaking to them. The Lord had made it known to them. That's what they said. And they went and they looked and they saw God doesn't require us to know everything, but he does require us to come and see. He wants us to see what he has done. God is pleased with those who humble themselves before him, who recognize that they are in darkness, just like the shepherds who are out in those fields. They, those who recognize that, like shepherds, have no standing with the people, they have no standing before God, before a holy God, but, but who recognize that their experience of reality does actually line up entirely with what they have heard from God in his word, whether through an angel or a messenger of God on earth, whether a prophet, whether an apostle, whether a preacher, they hear God's word and they say, what I have heard is exactly what I experience. So let me ask one question as we close. Why do we need Christmas to be true? Let me give you one reason. We live in a world that is desperate for peace, but is full of fear, anxiety, and restlessness. We live in a fast-paced world, right? We do. Technology is rewiring the way we think, the way we function, even our mindset. Bigger and faster equals better. Add to that the past year where change and adapting to change is the air we breathe. Masks on, masks off. Have you got your vaccine passport? Work from home, don't work from home. Wear your passport whilst working from your mask. What is that saying? Who knows? We have no idea. But what uncertainty, anxiety, and restlessness? That's the air we breathe. And I think all these things can reinforce this mindset that faster is better, bigger is better, more is better. We just want to get past COVID, don't we? So we can get back to real life and get on with better things, right? But maybe God is putting the brakes on this whole world. Perhaps how fast we've been moving is actually forcing the presence of God out of our lives, and God cares about that. 
let me say that again. Perhaps how fast we've been moving is forcing the presence of God out of our lives. Because the one who holds the whole universe in the palm of his hands entered our existence as a weak and immature baby. Born in a small town in the middle of nowhere and was welcomed into the world by a mum and dad just trying to get by and a few nobody shepherds. Guys, if Jesus wanted to enter the world today, he could have done that. He could have. His birth could have been live streamed for the billions to watch, but he didn't. He came, as we said before, he came in the fullness of time, exactly when God had planned for it to happen. So my prayer for us over Christmas is however we can to slow down and ponder in our hearts, just like Mary did, just like the shepherds did, the wonder of what God has done in the birth of his son, because that is what Christmas is all about. Until we slow down and look to where eternal peace is found, I guarantee we will not experience anything of peace in this life. We won't. You know what happened to the shepherds? As they listened and looked and saw Jesus for who he is, look at verse 20. You know what they did? They returned to what they were doing, back to the fields, watching over their sheep, with more peace and joy in their hearts than they had ever had before. And they joined in the angel's song, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told them. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that in the fullness of time you sent your son. And we thank you that in him we have all received grace upon grace. And that in looking to him, we can now know eternal peace, both in this life, but also now in our hearts as we pray. So Lord, we ask that you show us what it is to slow down and ponder in our hearts what you have done through the sending of your son over this Christmas, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.